0: Hi, my name is Phil Hoskins, Managing Director of Evolution Energy Minerals. Uh, We are developing the Chilalo Graphite Project in Tanzania. It's a high-grade force flake graphite project, um, advanced, development-ready and pushing it towards FID in the coming months. Um, We're also uh, looking at some um, very exciting downstream opportunities as well for future growth and and doing all these things sustainably in an ASG-friendly manner. Um, Phil,
1: thanks, Phil. Well, you can see you, Phil. Uh, we, we, I saw, I think I saw you in much nicer surroundings last time down in Cape Town. Um, it's quite part of the one to one, uh, and in Daba down there. Um, so welcome back on the show. Um, just want to, you, you've done a lot since I last saw you. So we've got a lot to, a lot to kind of get through. We'll state the obvious, uh, graphite. Not a lot of people understand this, this sector, the nuances of it, the opaqueness of it. We're going to try and help people with that today. So since I last saw you, You've raised some money, thirteen million bucks. Why thirteen million bucks? And give me the terms that you raised that under.
0: Yeah, sure. We raised uh, thirteen million dollars at thirty-two cents. Um, we're really pleased to have. Uh, you might recall our cornerstone investor uh, or shareholders, the Arch Sustainable Resources Fund. Uh, so they cornered that for twenty-five percent of the raising. Um, we we never want to raise funds if we don't have a value-added reason um, for um, for raising them, and so. Uh, it, it was for a specific reason. We, we wanted to be funded through to the completion of FID uh, of the Chilalo mine. Uh, whilst we don't need to add mine life given it's an 18 year life, we do want to do a bit of exploratory drilling um, to, to drill out some of the 30 plus kilometres of conductors and really demonstrate the scale potential and uh, become a multi decade mine. Um, and we also wanted to, uh, in light of some of the, the excellent results we've been getting in our downstream. Uh, test work to produce coated spherical graphite uh, for the battery anode materials. Uh, we really wanted to advance um, test work qualifications and feasibility studies on that to to try to bring that alongside um, the mine or or at least soon thereafter.
1: Okay. So you raised that 32 cents, which is at or around where 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 you are uh currently. Most companies like to you know, put out the DFS and then start to raise money because hopefully there's a there's a bump there. You're saying it was important now to allow you to move forward. One of the things that surprised me there that you said, given you've got 18 year life of mine now, why bother with the expiration component? Have you got an uh a, a, an eye on needing to raise project finance uh, once the FID is um Complete.
0: Yeah, so um, there's a number of reasons for the exploration drilling. I guess it's a it's a nice to have rather than a must have for the financing. Um, but I think if people were to benchmark our project against other projects, one number that that does stand out is that the operating costs on a life of mine basis, principally down to the mining, look a little bit higher. Um, and that's because the 18 year mine life goes down to um, 180 meters in depth. Now given the amount of graphite at surface, there's absolutely no reason probably to go below 60 metres. And so clearly, yeah, strip ratios and costs look a lot higher. So we wanted to, I guess as part of the financing, demonstrate that there is oodles of uh, near-surface high-grade graphite there, and and we're very confident in doing that. Um, The the drill rig's going to mobilise in September, but probably the more strategic reason for for off-takers and for um, for financiers, is to know that this thing's going to be a mine in in Southeast Tanzania for fifty years. We've got um, the graphite there to be able to double and triple production into a growing market uh, that we know is coming. So um, there's numerous reasons, and it's going to impact the economics ultimately uh, when we can fold those into updated resources and reserves as well.
1: Okay, so I want to I start really basic here because um, I, you know i think it's important that we kind of get into product qualification off takes and, and and so forth in a, in a second but you like the rest of the market being hit hard i think you guys are whatever 50 55 million market cap um yet high grade course uh, it seems to be what people are looking for investors however don't understand the potential so i know the dfs is coming out but can you give us a sense of the size of the price? What what is the opportunity ahead of you? You know, where are you in terms of cost, margin, revenue, and turnover?
0: Yeah, sure. So, um, as one of the coarse plate deposits in the world, um, I guess investors need to understand that coarse plate drives higher prices, and we're talking significantly higher prices for coarse plate graphite than fines. whilst the fines prices. Uh, going gangbusters at the moment, it's up to an incredible $900 a tonne. Um, the the coarse-flake graphite can sell for $3,500 a tonne. And so it's almost in a, a different uh, different uh, product category altogether. Um, and so because we've got very high proportions of the coarse-flake graphite, it, it, it is always going to drive um, us being a very high-margin project. And um, I mentioned off-air Northern Graphite. Um, I just bought the uh, the Graphite. Uh, Lactyl like mine in Canada, um, they've just published some pricing. Um, so we now have uh, uh, open for all to go and see um, uh, the sorts of pricing that can be achieved from some slightly coarser of product and, and decent products. So what's, what's all that going to mean? Um, I'm expecting we're going to, with, with the rising graphite prices, even in an inflationary environment that we're in, I believe our margins are going to be uh, greater than they were in the DFS. Uh, uh, the, the graphite prices are up at least 20% over and above uh, where they were in the DFS. Our capital costs might be slightly higher, but uh, those economics in the DFS were, um a US 320 mil um, NPV, which is close to a half a billion dollar, Australian dollar NPV. Um, and I think uh, outside of just the mine, the, the value of um, some of these downstream opportunities, given how well the graphite's performed um, in lithium-ion batteries, coated spherical graphite, uh, I think uh, companies that have demonstrated having a, a vertical integrated uh, part of their business um, are trading at many multiples of just uh, just the mine developers so um yeah we've got all of that in our uh, in our arsenal and uh, uh, very confident we can um, demonstrate that value to the market as we move forward
1: I know but what people are going to be looking, we're talking about an updated DFs right um what people are going to be looking to is seeing how you've been affected because but by, you know, in, in inflationary costs, you know, supply chain issues, rising costs across the board, um, you know, whether it be people, fuel, uh, whatever it is, the equipment that you need to bring in, because yeah. some companies are saying that their, the previous, um, studies, their capex has been blown out of the water, right? It, it's, it's a new, uh, environment that we're in right now. So I'm, I'm trying to get a sense of. The the size of 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 this project first of all that's important for me number one you know my margin's great but if if eighteen years at what pace what scale what dollar numbers and you know that gives me a sort of sense of where you compete with other um, metals or commodities that I understand so can you can you just help me understand that yeah and
0: keep in mind we're six weeks away from the updated DFS. uh, uh, so, some of these numbers uh, it could be guesstimates, but our capex is going to be in the order of uh, 100 million US. I think our previous DFS was 87. Uh, and uh, the previous DFS was Q1 2020. So, there was probably a year uh, post 2020 with COVID where there wasn't much inflation. Um, the last sort of 15 to 18 months, we have seen inflation. So, we're expecting 100 to lower $100 million capex. Um, In terms of OPEX, we were previously uh, around $750 US and I think our sales price was around uh, $1,500 US, so it was around a $750 a ton margin. Um, My expectation is that that sales price um, will be north of $1,850, um, and so that's at least a 20% increase, um, and I don't think CapEx will have gone up 20%, so overall the economics um, should be improved. Margin should be improved. Uh, and in terms of the the scale of the project, we're looking to build, it's um, uh, roughly on average fifty thousand tonnes per annum of uh, of plate graphite concentrate um, being produced. So. Um,
1: Okay, yeah, so that, that, that gives a sense of the numbers. Now, now we kind of need to move into the area where, because um, I, I mentioned earlier, project financing. That, that'll be once you've got the updated uh, PFS and you've kind of gone through the FIT process, you're going to need to raise that hundred million bucks and, and maybe yeah. a little bit more um, to give you a bit of breathing room. So, t- to do yeah. that you're going to need to start to have conversations with, with groups um, for sure. What do they need to see from you? Is it a simpler case of the updated DFS or is there more to it? Yeah,
0: there's more to it. Um, I think uh, when we last caught up in, in Cape Town, we were sounding out a lot of the banks and financiers that we think would we'll be interested in this project. Um, that's moved on to the provision of a preliminary information memorandum, um, giving those, those banks and financial institutions um, a lot of information about the project. Um, Albeit that the numbers aren't going to be finalised until mid-October, we can at least uh, ascertain uh, what are some of the risks as they're looking at them, whether it be um, uh, Chinese offtake, whether that be uh, Tanzanian regulatory issues um, and these sorts of things, or the graphite market more generally. So um, we we know what what the issues are that they're going to want to work through and and get comfortable with. Um, But what else do they want to see? So from that Tanzanian regulatory um, uh, piece, they're going to want to see the framework agreement with the Tanzanian government. Uh, We had a Zoom call uh, with the special presidential government negotiating team uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, The finishing touches are being put on that agreement. Uh, We're expecting it then to go to the Attorney-General and we're expecting during uh, probably later in September to... uh, uh, to get invited for a, a presidential signing ceremony of that framework agreement. So that's been five years in the making, um, but it's the critical de risking element from a regulatory point of view that the financiers are going to want to see. And um, after that, the updated DFS will provide the, the numbers, and uh, uh, that's obviously going to get fed into models around uh, the ability to service uh, certain levels of debt. Uh, Got an independent technical engineer that will be lined up to come in after that for about a month and review all of the the technical information on behalf of the financiers. And uh, and then, probably towards the end of this year, early next year, uh, we'll be uh, selecting a uh, mandating a a lead manager to, to run the financing and finishing off the due diligence.
1: I mean, from my days in banking, you know, it, that, that kind of technical analysis was fairly, fairly superficial. And essentially you bring a con- um, a consultant in who would kind of give it the once over and say, yeah, broadly, this is fine. Where we put a lot of store of value was offtake agreements from industry players because they know yeah. a lot more. I know you've got, you last time we talked, you had, you know, one offtake agreement in place. Um, are you looking to do more? Because like you talked about product qualification and the fact that you you know had you know tw- you were looking to perhaps have twenty plus uh, customers you know you know vying for your product. So again, where where are you with that?
0: Yeah, you might recall I've spent almost two hundred fifty days in China, thirty plus trips. there has been a real commitment from our company to uh, to understand the market and and introduce our product to those end users. So that qualification and test work process has been ongoing since uh, 2015, mm-hmm. um, so we have, uh, I guess you could call the pre-qualified, um, our graphite is you know, probably 20 in China, 15 to 20 in Europe and, and again in the US, so our customer database is extreme. Um, in terms of uh, what do the financiers need to see from that sort of offtake, um, that you mentioned the cornerstone offtake that we have signed. Um, with our coarse plate products, is sort of the dream uh, of who you would want to sign with. If you have coarse plate graphite, firstly you, you would want to test does it does it work in value-added applications like expandable graphite and graphite foil, and, and that's uh, happened numerous occasions over the last six seven years. But then uh, once you've discovered that, then you would want to uh, deal with the global leader, and that's uh, YXGC, um, the operator that we have signed with. Um, expandable and foil are Um, probably a little bit lesser known markets even to um, a a very sophisticated bank uh, than say the lithium-ion battery market and so those banks are going to have to to do their due diligence and uh, might involve a site visit to China, it might involve getting independent people to come in and make an assessment of why XGC is standing within that industry which I think is um, very difficult for anyone to hold a candle to. They are the global leader and, and viewed that way by everyone in the industry so uh, I think that offtake agreement gives a lot of confidence. I think I might have spoken last time about uh, about the fine flake offtake agreement and, and certainly negotiations um, have advanced with numerous parties um, in, in regard to that. Um, we haven't made an ultimate decision on this just yet, but given the the performance of our fines in the coated spherical graphite that I mentioned before, um, and uh, it's pretty much performing as good as it gets, um, in uh, in those anode uh, uses that uh, we sort of don't want to contract away, uh, sort of strategically for evolution, we don't want to contract away our fines for three years and lose that strategic leverage into the downstream market. And so, if financiers, whilst we are talking to, to numerous off takers, what whilst financiers, uh, if they demand we sign one for the fines, then. Um, then, then I guess we'll have to. But if we can get away uh, giving them comfort in our ability to sell those fines um, to, to numerous different customers without uh, signing an off-take agreement, pre construction, that would definitely be our preference. Um,
1: I mean, in the, in the same way that banks need to mitigate their risk, right, by asking you to do something like that um, or yeah. possibly. Um, wanting to mitigate jurisdictional risk, which is very prevalent. Who thought we'd have a war in Europe again anytime soon, right? So jurisdictional yeah. risk has really kind of ra- you know raised the bar, as it were, to m- risk mitigation. You must be looking at the markets and saying, well, yeah, China's the obvious place to go. They're the l- leader in all of this. Um, but you've got Countries like the US, their critical minerals list has become meaningful. It used to be, you know, vaguely, roughly talked about because there was always a, a way to access metals um, in the market um, through traders, et cetera. Right now, they're trying to create an ecosystem which is um, something that they can control, something that they they can work with with friendly countries and fr- friendly companies. Um, and We've, we've seen sanctions being imposed, which we you know wouldn't have imagined before, affecting supply chains all around the world. So you need to have some degree of risk mitigation and a risk mitigation strategy in terms of where you sell your product, who you sell your product to. Don't Sorry. you?
0: Absolutely. Um, geographical diversification is um, uh, a very important part of our, our overall sales strategy. Uh, While 70% of the revenue is coming from one taker, and they are Chinese, I think. Um, uh, whilst the US and all of these economies are, are desperately trying to reclaim um, and, and gain access to these critical minerals, you can't uh, you can't go back on decades of outsourcing manufacturing to uh, to China. The expandable and expanded graphite market is ninety percent dominated by the Chinese. And whilst there are uh, customers in the Western markets that I intend to sell some coarse flake graphite to. Um, you just wouldn't be able to move that quantity into that uh, that end use. And so um, YXGC, very, I'm very proud to be dealing with that. In terms of the, uh, the fines and the anode materials, you're absolutely right that um, the US and many jurisdictions as well, it's not just the US, but um, establishing those ex-China supply chains is a huge thing for them at the moment. They haven't um, put anywhere near as much effort and funding and attention to it that's been required over the last decade, um, but the desperation stakes have definitely uh, jumped up a notch. And the funding that's around um, the establishment of these critical minerals funds, they're everywhere. There's an Australian fund that the US government, uh, US Department of Energy, uh, gave a $102 million debt facility to CIRA Resources to um, help fund the establishment of a, a downstream uh, coated spherical facility in, uh, in Louisiana. Uh, that's, that's the beginning of... Uh, uh, it's the desperation stakes of all of these places. So no, don't take by the fact that our cornerstone take is Chinese as is, as is, is being a, um, a desire by the company to uh, to just sell everything to one jurisdiction. We we need to manage our risk um, and uh, and diversify for sure.
1: Right. And so, how long is that? Just remind me about the offtake agreement. Is that for a specific? You told us the percentage, but is it for a specific term and a specific price and and you get to renegotiate somewhere down the line?
0: Yeah, it's a 3-year three, three uptake agreement. It's um, 30,000 tonnes, um, so it's 56% of our production, but because it's the higher value of plate products, it's a little bit over 70% of the, the concentrate revenue. Um, uh, of course, if, if they're a good customer over that period, then um, my intention would be to continue to sell to them thereafter and, and sign another agreement. Uh, in terms of how pricing works, um, Uh, We we set the price for each of the products sold in that agreement uh, once a quarter, uh, agreed between buyer and seller, uh, agreed at least a month prior to the beginning of each quarter, Um, and if there's disagreement on price, we appoint an independent consultant to come in and and arbitrate that. Uh, If we disagree on who that arbitrator is, then uh, my uh, Chinese consultant that introduced the deal uh, will be the mediator, and she's trusted by YXGC as well. I think this is as close uh, outside of the fines market that I think um, I think we will start to see uh, some reliance on, uh, particularly people like fast markets, some of the some of the reputable Western uh, price trackers and those sorts of things. I uh, feel that this negotiation between buyer and seller is, is here to stay in, in graphite sometime.
1: Yeah, I hope so. Hopefully, hopefully, it removes the kind of opaque nature we've seen it in cobalt as well. It's it's, it's makes it difficult for people to value. Companies and very difficult to actually say, well, is this price? We get that it's high now, but is it sustainable? You know, where is the future demand coming from? So yeah, we'll keep an eye on that. Um, with regards to, again, helping me understand, um, how I get comfortable with, with this. It's not, you know, it's not like I think you can put out a gold equivalent number here. So I need to sort of see who else is playing in the space. You know, we know Syrah. We, um, you've kind of got Northern Graphite, I think, as well as players, but it, are there new, lots of new entrants coming in here? Is, 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 would that be a, a positive sign, or is it still just a very difficult technical uh, commodity to get involved with? In which case, makes that's, your, your that's position defensible, right?
0: Yeah, in terms of the listed company exposure to, to producing assets, it's very limited because uh, we, we sort of touched on it before with the Chinese domination of um, certain commodities. But uh, of all the battery metals, uh, graphite is the commodity that China has the biggest stranglehold over. Um, Between 70 and 80% of the raw material supply, um, 100% of the the downstream processing, the purification and sparenisation is done in in China. So, unfortunately, there's not a a hell of a lot of publicly available information on those those companies and uh, how much money they're making and and those sorts of things. But, um, yeah, you've got Sire Resources in Mozambique, you've got a UK-listed company, Tirupati, in Madagascar. You've now got Northern who's bought the established uh, mining in Canada, which has a very short one life to come. But the new wave of graphite supply uh, to come will come from developers. Um, there's a, a number of listed developers. Uh, I believe East African graphite is the highest quality in the world, um, and in particular Tanzanian graphite, with flake size and the ability to purify it, if you wanted to, up to plus 99% through flotation. I think just demonstrates how quality the, the graphite is in Tanzania and ours is, um, is exceptional uh, within that as well. So um, that's where the new waves are coming from and, and there's no one that denies uh, that there are numerous mines that need to come online. Uh, I think Benchmark Mineral Intelligence are talking about a 650,000 tonne shortfall by 2025. Um, if we're not making investment decisions in the next 12 months, on uh, that's that's 13 new mines the size of our mine. So if we're not making investment decisions very quickly. Uh, this, this graphite price is going to continue to surge. And as I mentioned before, $900 a tonne uh, for fine-plate graphite uh, trading in hailong Jang today, uh, it was $500 a tonne nine months ago. And um, I don't think, well, whilst we're right in the peak season of mining um, in China right now, uh, it's the summer and uh, once we get to the end of October and we start to get into winter, that production's going to slow right down again and, uh, so whilst prices might be abated uh, a little bit for now, um, I'm expecting them to, to surge again unless we're fundamentally changing the, the supply-demand imbalance.
1: Right. So you, you feel that the the price is sustainable? If not, it it will actually it will increase because of the de- demand component. Fine. So again, I'm just trying to in position you and understand as an investor. You know, should I be looking in here? You're in the final throes of an advanced development. Um, of the project, the DF, DF updated DFS out October. Project finance underway. You'd expect to get some sense of way offers on the table and make a decision about that when?
0: Uh, I would think the end of this year or early next year we um, should be able to. I would probably flag the the number of offers on the table, and uh, but once we mandate someone and. Yeah, probably sign a, a term sheet with, with a few conditions to be satisfied and yeah, hopefully that daylights. You know, I think investors in this space want to see uh, uh, some people with smart money, uh, having run the ruler over it, um, uh, say that, you know what, well, this is good enough for us from a, a risk point of view. And I think to some degree, we've been able to achieve that with our cornerstone investor, um, the, the Arch Sustainable Resources Fund. Um, spent almost 18 months running the ruler over it and I think one of the elements that we probably have omitted to talk about in terms of what financiers need to see is the ESG side um, of a company's approach and um, yeah, feasibility studies and and framework agreements is one side but uh, with them on board and the work we've been doing, so we recently got uh, Chief Government value a sign-off for our relocation action plan. Um, Other other companies in Tanzania have been told we guys think we should be doing new relocations more like evolution. Um, we've got a real pat on the back in how we've approached that, obviously, in accordance with IFC standards um, and um, uh, offering livelihood restoration and programs that will continue for a long period of time. Uh, you mentioned the war before, uh, Tanzania's been a recipient of Ukrainian grain um, historically, and so we're putting in place uh, programs to, to replace some of that grain, particularly for. The local communities in our area, so we've really done all that stuff um, uh, to a high high standard. So I think, um, uh, yeah, like I said, having a financier company I think, will be a really big um, confidence boost that uh, we are developing a project in the right way, and it is a. The
1: no, I, I, like I hear what you're saying and, and, and that all of that is, is good stuff and in fact it's it's essential and you should be doing it and companies like you should be doing that. But I, I want to come back to the how do I make money bit, which is right. So the timing timing is kind of, let's say Q1 on the project finance, then what's what's the build period and when does this thing get into production? What's that ramp up phase look like? Because there's a, there's a model out there which says, you know, I'll just invest in companies, you know, at exactly this, this point because it's near to revenue. I can see a of sight to revenue and I know they've got the money to actually build this thing and the margins sound good. So, give, give me a sense of that runway, please.
0: Sure. Well, it's a 12-month build. So, if we hit FID in Q1, it's a 12-month build um and, and then with a few months commissioning. So, by mid-2024 is when you'd be um, starting to produce cash flow. Um This is one thing that, if you're talking about making money on Uh, on the share price, that um, purely viewing this as a mine, you could purely view this as a mine, and and the coarse plate graphite um, will be a a very high margin producer printing cash. We don't need prices to go up. We're past incentive levels um, for for the sorts of prices we're going to get. But being able to release the economics of a a downstream processing sort of feasibility study that might be north of half a billion dollar MPB or... Or those sorts of things. That's that's the, the potential value add and, and the, I guess the sexy part that, that investors want to see is, hang on a sec, so you're not just selling concentrate to, to someone in China or someone in the US and they're going to go and have all the fun turning that into the battery anode materials. Um, we've got access to uh, companies with the technology to go and do those things ourselves and what you're then talking about is taking something out of the mine site, taking it all the way through to a finished product and negotiating directly with Tesla or Volkswagen or uh, CATL battery manufacturers, and um, uh, I think uh, that we've got the funding to advance those studies as well. So it's not just the the mine getting into production, the cash flows coming out of that, and that in itself. As many mines like Cyrus' mine right now is is not making money at the moment. Um, that's the uh, having eighty-three percent of their product is fine is sort of the issue there, um, but that that wouldn't be the case with us. We could make money at the mine site standalone. The value add is is pure cream, and um, and that's a many many multiples story, not just um, sort of incremental price I, I
1: love it when CEOs actually talk about making money. It's very rare, <laughs> <laughs> it you know it's essential for but my, you know. Private companies couldn't work the same way that public companies can in that sense. So, a lot of so many companies come on here producing, but they're not actually making money. Okay. So, you can make money because of the uh, large flake, um, the, the, the coarse flakes rather that, that, that you've got. Great. I'm trying to capture value further downstream is, is a nice lofty ambition, but you've got to be able to deliver that. But baby steps first. You've got to get this thing. Up and producing and throwing off a bit of cash; otherwise, we're talking about a ton of dilution down the line. So, um, can you? So, we'll we'll talk. Let's talk, let's talk about that another time, okay? Because that is a nice blue sky conversation to have. Um, can we talk about thermal purification? Because one of your articles, you, you talk about doing some testing on um, producing battery anodes with a better process. Can can you make sense? Why do you feel the need to do that? Is it better margins or something or is it just a, a, a green thing?
0: Yeah, so this is talking about downstream if we're going to talk about thermal purification. So um, this would be sort of that futuristic uh, facility, whether it's in the US, Europe, uh, wherever it may be, would be a, a facility that hopefully we've developed that own buying fine-flake concentrate from the mine um, and then turning it into coated spherical graphite from there. Now the reason that we're pursuing uh, thermal purification in that process is that um, the entire industry uses uh, toxic hydrochloric acid uh, which is uh, terrible to to handle and to dispose of. Uh, There are means but it's nowhere near as environmentally friendly as using thermal purification which to describe what that is it's basically heating up um, the graphite very hot and so because graphite has such a high heat resistance you're taking a 95% uh, purity product um, up to more than ninety nine point nine five, and I think we achieved five nines, which is uh, which is incredible. So I think it's it's not just the uh, the sustainability angle as well. There are economic and, and other advantages of the flow sheet where uh, we're looking to use that.
1: Okay, okay, that? okay. Well, let's 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 come back to that. So, so you're working on that now to slot into the kind of the, the blue sky opportunity of capturing value. Uh, further downstream. Okay, interesting. Well, look, look, Phil, look, I think that there's been a kind of good update from you. Um, busy, 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 which is good news. Um, market seems to be flying at the moment. Um, so, look, stay in touch, especially when you get this updated DFS out. I want to see uh, what that looks like, the economics look like, and again, it give us that sense of, what again, the size of the price and opportunity ahead of you. Absolutely. I
0: appreciate your time.